We finished the Gospel of John last week, and it was an amazing time for me. I just, that Gospel is so rich with how Jesus adores us, the incredible love of Christ for us, and how unstoppable it is. How amazing he is over and over, even restoring Peter as we got to see at the end. He loves the unworthy. He heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind. That's our Jesus. And we're going to go into Exodus, but I'm going to take a week right now because I wanted to hit something that comes up over and over whenever we do and finish a gospel like John about how amazing the love of Jesus is. And everybody says, amen. Go ahead. Isn't the love of Jesus amazing? He died for us on the cross. This is our faith is that he did that. He was the one who did everything for us. John even finishes, you know, the end of his gospels. Man, if I wrote down all the things that Jesus did, the whole world couldn't contain the books. It's all about Jesus and so amazing and and, and fantastic. And so I want to take today to get real a little bit pastorally with Jesus in your life. Because there's this niggle. You guys know that word? I like that word. Niggle. It's like this little wiggle in my brain that I think maybe I'm missing something. I don't know if you ever feel that. I do. Most of the people I talk to do. That maybe I don't get this quite right. You know, we, I, I come to church and over and over again, our church is Grace Church Bellingham. We talk about grace. We talk about Jesus for you. We talk about the forgiveness of sin, your sin. And it's received and it's amazing and it's wonderful. And, and, but you know, isn't there a little more than this constant message of Christ crucified? Shall we not focus a little bit more on the downstream duties of the belief of you? Right? Don't we need to love better? In fact, without loving better, am I really a Christian? Rick Warren, famous book author, but he kind of says what a lot of us worry about. He's, he writes this, if I have no love for others, Take this in, no desire to serve others, and I'm only concerned about my needs, I should question whether Christ is really in my life. Okay, so you take that in, right? So how does that fit in our, in, in what, uh, Bill Bright, he's the head of the sort of the Campus Crusade at one point, he said, we cannot love in our own strength, but when we are controlled by the Spirit, we can love with God's love. We know that God would not command us to do something he would not enable us to do. So if you're not loving, then are you a Christian? And you go through with me and you've been through John. You say, wow, we read John. We got so amazed at the love of Christ for me. I got so excited about what Jesus has done for me. But it didn't remove this piece of, am I missing something, right? So I want to talk about that today for a minute. Just to in your own heart decide, are we right to always speak of Christ for us? Or should you be looking at your love? Your response to determine if you're really his and, and, and if you're worried you might not be loving enough, you might not really be Christ or even that you're missing out maybe on blessing. We're disappointing God maybe. 
not rightly responding with a particular action towards loving him or each other in concrete ways. That's what I want to address this morning. It's a big deal. It's kind of a little topical. We'll bounce around just a little, not too much. Cause, but, but the reality is, is that um, if you can get a handle on this peace, I feel it settles your heart and you can receive even better the amazing love of Christ for you. So walk with me, will you? A labor of love, and it's Labor Day, which is kind of cool. So we're labor of love, that kind of puts together. Aren't we a snazzy sermon title writer? <laughs> no, but here we are. Okay, so labor of love. First, I, I just, it's important to see that for you and me, love is commanded. It's commanded by God, not, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. It's not some old, dusty command from far away. It's actually to us, right? The command didn't stop somehow with the coming of Christ to earth. In fact, Jesus affirmed. He said, hey, the young ruler comes up in Luke 10 and says to, to, to Jesus, he says, hey, hey, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And he gives him, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, no, that's dumb. No, he doesn't. Jesus says, that's it. If you do those things, you'll live. Do it, it'll go well with you, right? Love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do these things and live. So it's not just the Old Testament. Here's, here's even in First John, it's one of the later books of the Bible. John's writing this, and he says, Beloved, let us love one another. He's talking to post-cross Christians. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Should you love? Is that not a no-brainerous question of the Bible? Like, of course you should love. Yes, 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 yes. It's not wrong, not ever, to give the strength and wonder and beauty, the depth. You know, God gave the law, which is summarized by love, himself on tablets of stone with his finger to his people so that they would know how to live. And, and it's beautiful. We'll see it in Exodus. We're going to hit Exodus 19 and 20. It'll be great. This is the message we've heard from the beginning. First John 3 says that we should love one another. From the beginning means the very start, he's, he's hearkening back to the Ten Commandments, right? He's, he's saying from the Old Testament to the New Testament to today, that's what we've heard. And so we teach our children this. If your kid is in our Sunday school and they come, they'll be taught the Ten Commandments because it's the way of God's law, God's beautiful, deep, amazing, wondrous way to live. This is what we should do in Give all you have to love. Love big and love small. Love your enemies. Whew, that's a tough one. But it's there in the Bible. Love everybody. What a wonderful way to live life. As God himself is, he is love. So we rightly teach our children to obey their parents, to avoid greed, to not covet, to have integrity, because this is, these are the finer details of what? Of love. That's love, you know. Our schools are about teaching children to have character, to be moral. These are all outworkings of the great command to love your neighbor as yourself. You treat people right. You don't look down on other people. In fact, our whole society works like this, doesn't it? 
I mean, this is a priority to care for others. At least, at least you may, you know, depending on how you define love, I get it. But in reality, the actions that you do, like love is an action. So the actions that you do reflect this need for kindness and care for each other. I was at a football game, the first county, there's a, First high school football game I've ever been to. It was a blast. It was a hoot. But I'll tell you what, the, the, the interesting thing was I was talking to a guy next to me. Maybe he was from Los Angeles. And he said, down in LA, we don't do these anymore. And I was like, oh, why not? He's like, well, just too much liability. You know, there's too much tension in the air. We're worried about knives and guns. And I'm like, man, that makes my heart sad. Because if people would love each other, would have kindness, then you could enjoy. It was fun. It was like a community affair. It was like things going on and there's people yelling over here. And it was, it was this great time. And it's like, no, love enables that, right? This basic human kindness that you don't like go after someone with a knife when they come to a football game. That's a pretty low bar of love, Dex. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. So if you start there and you say, okay, well, there it is. And how, how our society really functions better if we're kind to each other, right? And kindness is a form of love. Love is patient, love is kind. That's 1 Corinthians 13, right? So the, that idea, this the idea I'm talking to you about, about how society runs this way and we all function better, it's often called the civil use of the law. It's how society ought to run, right? Not civil as in um, kind. Civil as in civilization. How we work. Your life will go well if you like have the external trappings of of care, of loving each other. So that's what we, we push and we say and the rules we enforce by whatever means necessary to ensure the functioning of society. Don't murder. You'll go to jail for life. Okay. Is there trouble with any of this for Christianity? Is there a problem as we sit here in church and hear this from me? There ought to be a little one. All this stuff I'm talking about, love, doesn't require Who? Jesus. I don't need Jesus to tell you to be a kind person because it functions in society. I don't need Jesus to tell you to be a little kinder to your neighbor because otherwise, you know, you can't enjoy the football game. I don't need that. So, so the, the problem with pushing as we do, and, and it's right, the, the law is as society ought to run, but where does the need for Jesus? Well, the need for Jesus comes in where where? We don't do this very well. Not real love, not the deep stuff, not the self-sacrifice for my enemy, not the heart desire to like really care for someone like I care for myself, not to love God with my heart and soul and mind and strength. Otherwise, no one would ever sin. How would I ever do anything bad to you if I really loved you? I don't love you very well. Not in any real sense. So the, what comes in, right? The, uh, the thing that comes in, it, it's got to come in that from all of our instruction on, on sort of our improvement and integrity and character and goodness. It must end with, and you are condemned. You just don't do it that well, folks. A single act of kind behavior is kind. No, don't, I'm not, I don't need to tear that down. But it doesn't make up for the ways in which your heart is evil. Ministry, goodness, goodness, service, good stuff, evil at the end. Coffee, meet just a little bit of pee. 
it's all bad. I don't want to drink it. Right? That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea is that you do something good, okay, good. We're not saying the good isn't good. We're, we're saying actually that it's not all good and that just ruins it all because your heart's actually wicked. So this is the theological truth of the law, right? There's the civil part of the law, but there's the theological truth of the law that you're condemned. You're, you're, you're hurting. You're hurting unit. So the command isn't to love your child. The command isn't to love your spouse. You should. That command's there too. The command is to love your enemy. Love your neighbor. Like you, it's too much for all of us and we fall. So, so this is the law and it's good. It doesn't stop being good after you like pray a prayer and become a Christian. It doesn't stop being the way that society should function. It doesn't stop being the things we teach our kids in order to function in society. It doesn't stop being something that's beautiful. Man, it's beautiful to follow, to really love and to feel that. I, I like it. Christianity pushes us, right, to say no, no, but the, inter- the thing is, is you gotta receive love the love of Christ. Okay, so walk with me just real briefly through this because this is something that we talk about all the time, but it's the key thing, right? A little deeper into this because what should we about afterwards because that's where the niggle is. So walk me through the is because it's hammered, right? Even in the passage I just gave you in 1 John, here's 1 John two verses later, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us sent his son to be the propitiation. That's the soaking up the badness and the evil and the wrongness for our, our sins. So amazing. Love is what Jesus did for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5, 8 says. Or God so loved the whole world, the sinful, terrible, wrong world that he gave his only begotten son. It's an act of love. God's love for the sinner is amazing. He loves us not for what we will become or what we might do to be useful or what we might change. He considers us his treasure. This is the message from outside of us. It's the gospel. He died for us. And so we ended John this way, right? We ended talking about how amazing it is that Peter was restored and loved by Jesus. That's the message, which brings this natural response where Peter couldn't say, I agape you, Jesus, because he didn't. He ran from Jesus, but he could say, Jesus, you blow me away. Yeah, I love you. And you love being loved. If you could see that I love being loved. I didn't used to love dogs. I kind of thought they were smelly and they shed a lot of fur. And then I met Mocha. Mocha's our dog. Come by sometime and meet her. She's awesome. She loves being around me. She'll come up and she jumps on me a little bit and she wags her tail and she comes up and noses and I'm laying on the couch and she comes up and she loves me. Do you know what that did to me? I love her. I love her. She's awesome. She's just fan. I don't know about other dogs. That's fine. You can keep your dog. But my dog that loves me is awesome. And you know, God became like a dog. You say, that's offensive, Dax. Yeah, I know. Sure is. He was the king of heaven so far above you, you couldn't even hardly imagine who he is. And he became a human being so that he might love you in a way that you could even understand and get. And, and what is that birth in me? I love him. Now, I'm not talking about civil use of the law and, um, oh, yeah, you've got to do all these kind of things. I'm talking about my attack to Jesus. I effectively say I love Jesus with all my heart. 
Not because, not because I know that I should. No, because I see what he's done for me. He's so much more than Mocha. Thanks. That's Jesus probably going, Dex, that's high praise. But that's it, right? I mean, love received, agape love received leads to brotherly love from this deep abiding concept that we're loved, but it's brotherly love towards Jesus. I love Jesus precisely because I'm dirty and, and, and rumpled and, and, and diseased and blind and not good, and he loves me, and, and if I hear that message and it gets into my heart that it's true, he loves me right now as I am. He loves you as you are. Like this Jesus, I like him. <laughs> We, the unworthy love, to receive this good news, we're blown away. Okay, so, so I, the, I want that peace, but the, we talk about that a lot, and, and I want to go into, well, but, but Dax, what, I, sh- I need to do stuff. Okay, so love today. Let's talk a few minutes about that. Right, because, because as we talk about this, and I want to go deeper, because the niggle comes in, and you say something like, hey, you're confusing me, Dax, because I agree with everything you're saying. I can't but worry that you're missing an important piece. The piece of what? My response. My responsibility. My actions. My deeds. I totally love the focus that we have on the gospel, but we need to take the next step. We need to balance, you know, this incredible forgiveness we have with our need to act, to get off our bottoms, you know, swift kick and all, and, 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 and get to work for Jesus. And what's work for Jesus look like? Love people. That's what it looks like. Now, it's true that most of the folks I talk about who raise this, and, and even in my own heart when I raise this, I'm not worried about me so much. I, I read the Bible every day. I pray more than you. Praise God. I love to pray. Look at me being stupid, boasting about nothing. But, but, but I worry about other people, you know. Man, I just don't know that they pray at all. I'm not sure that they're opening their Bible over there. I'm pointing over there somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> but you start doing that, I worry about my kid, you know. Are they really, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about my kids, I'm talking about your kids. Are your kids really doing okay? I just, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Right, because, especially I'm worried about all the kids because we need to instill in them the deep need that they have to live rightly, to love others, not to be selfish or self-centered or greedy or covetous. I, I, I want that to happen, you know. I want them to have good lives. Good lives in society means following these rules. These rules are important. They're not, not important. They're deep and wondrous and good. And so I said, wow, isn't that my role to make sure that they get there? It's not just about believing, Dax. I mean, and here's his thinking, as you may follow it down, many people do. said, the law used to accuse me and condemn me, but now I've been given new life in Jesus. Do you understand that? The new birth. And so it's not just about believing, it's about transformation, it's about change. It's about me not just loving Jesus, but loving the law, which is to love other people. And sometimes this is flavored in, in manners that says, be like Jesus, What people mean is love people well. And so I'm looking for instructions here. 
how to accomplish that, what it looks like, and, and this becomes central, and I exhort people then to love and to expect that they can, and Jesus didn't just forgive sins, you know, he enables you, empowers you to love. That's my niggle. Resonate with anybody? Does God save you to love people? Is salvation back to the law? That's the theological way to put that question. This view, this idea, it captures us because of our culture. I think, I think, I think I live in a culture that, hey, I will watch, I, I like the Marvel movies. I'm sorry to say it if you think those are bad, but I think they're kind of fun to watch. And, but they always have the same sort of theme. You know, we live in a Marvel universe. It's like, and I'm getting this from a site called Mockingbird that I really like, but they, they, they basically this idea that, um, if I could get enough power, I'll overcome whatever badness there is. You know, they all work like that. There's a relatively good superhero and he's facing something. Like, like you say, man, I'm the people and I'm, I'm this huge army is coming at me. I've got a Hulk. Hulk defeats the army. Sweet. Then the bad guys, they get Thanos, you know, and he's got an infinity stone. He kicks Hulk, but to the side. No problem. We'll go, where's my next powers? Oh, Captain Marvel. She's like a living infinity stone. So she comes and beats up Thanos. Well, then gets, Thanos gets five infinity stones. And so our good guys are figuring out the way they're going to get enough power to overcome the bad guys. And I think like that spiritually. I think if I just get enough power on my side, I can over. So the Holy Spirit's my power source. I plug in. And with my power source, if I, if I tap into it, then I can, I can be the person that doesn't sin. Overcome it with my power. And so grace is like an infused power deal where God gives you the Holy Spirit of this new heart that now is going to actually have the power to not sin and, and go. But I just don't think it's like that. I think that's a movie. We make stuff up in movies. Life's not about acquiring the power for personal triumph. Life is about love received, right? We just talked about that. It's about Jesus dying for you and you seeing how amazing he is and receiving his love for you and his promise for you. And, and something's gonna happen. Transformation's gonna happen. But what is it gonna look like? It's not gonna look like you buffing up. In fact, it may like, look like you looking even weaker. Right? I mean, that's what we consider. Consider with me then just, again, briefly, I don't want too much time, but, but about Jesus, this is a favorite of ours. It's a parable Jesus told about people who trusted in themselves they were righteous, but they're trusting that God made them righteous. Does God make you superpowered? Because he trusted in themselves they're righteous, treated others with contempt. Not those guys, they're not superpowered. We are, we've got God. So two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other one a law, a tax collector. So the Pharisee's the good guy and the tax collector's the bad guy because tax collectors were like traitors to their culture. And Pharisees are like, I know they're bad, we know, because we've read John, they're bad, but not, not to them they're not bad. They're like the righteous ones. They're the ones who come to church every single week. They sit in the front row. Sorry, front rows. I'm not saying you're Pharisees. They're the people who are really on it. They're, they come to everything. They're there, they're there. And, and so there it is. First comes the one who's like, got it together and it's overcome. Next comes the guy who's the traitor to his people. And they come up, Jesus says, he's making this up, this is made up, but he's doing this on purpose. The Pharisee standing by himself says, God, thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector over here. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. See, he, those are good things, not bad. Tithing was following the law. Being precise with it was excellent. And then here comes the tax collector. He stands far off. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's just saying, crying out for mercy. And Jesus says, the son of God says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house righteous rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah, the whole idea is I go through my whole life this way. This is our problem. And, and I brought it up before. A guy named Capon does it great. He says, okay, this is our problem. We wait a week and we bring them back. And now what we really want to see in the Christian church too often, we want to bring the tax collector back with the Pharisee's prayer in his pocket. Because the time has gone by, you know. He prayed for mercy. He got it. And now he's going to come back to God and say, God, thank you for making me righteous. Not like other men. Not like those people out there that are homosexuals. Not like extortioners. Not like whatever, right? That's how we think, and it's wrong. Jesus doesn't do that. The guy stays at the seat of mercy. He stays in the place of saying, you know what? I'm a sinner. I don't have anything. I just have you, Jesus. Not, I've buffed up. Thanks, God, for buffing me. I got a plus two strength. He doesn't, right? There's nothing like that. So this is the thing about love that we're talking about today, is it's not helpful to say that. It's not. Pretty interesting. I mean, (sighs) Jesus is not empowering him. Jesus is the actual hero. I remain at the seat of mercy. You remain at the seat of mercy. Remain at the place of grace. It's not enabling you to somehow now become a a, a person who does the right stuff. It's you remaining the person who doesn't. And, And so the Holy Spirit's not an enabling force. He is a constant teacher. He is a comforter that you're here You're here needing Christ and your hero has come and he's for you. And you take that in and you start to believe it. We read this morning, it's also not that the point is that you need a reminder of your need to love, right? That's what we read this morning, that you know the law is good. It never sort of becomes bad. You keep treasuring this idea of love is amazing. I want love. I want to do love. I just don't do it very well. You don't leave that to say, no, you know what? I've, I now do it pretty well. And those guys don't. You know, my kid is, has it together and yours doesn't. Boy, just think who now thinks that. Your kid thinks that. That's terrible. Because every single person I know needs what? The mercy of Christ. That's where we stand. That's where we kneel. That's where we fall. So Christianity, right, it's there. It's a, this idea that says it's already done. Jesus has already won. There's not a continuing battle to gain enough power for you to do good. It isn't a, a, a wondering how I'm going to get that, right? And, and I know, I know, someone's going to say, and you're going to say, okay, Dax, I get it. You're just spending all this time going on the same old paths. I've heard this before. Because they're true. But what can we say about transformation? Right, about our love. About change. Because I'll tell you what, we are changed. 
you are changed. It is true. Right? The transformative power of Christianity is what? That you are loved. You are freed. Freed from what? The oughts and shoulds and measurements and bookkeeping. Freed from the tabulations of rewards and merits and you are given Christ. And what that does is it starts to soften your heart. If you're humbled, there's the tax collector, right? He's humbled. He's humbled and he asks for mercy and God gives it to him. I'd be like, hallelujah. You realize that you're valued and treasured and loved. You begin to ease your guilt and your shame. It begins to make you realize that's who you are. It's called freedom. That's the word for it, right? And, and, and here it is in Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. What's the slavery? Your slavery to thinking God's judging you on the law. You don't have to do anything more. You don't have to be in bondage to try and come up with the heart desires and do and complete the law. You're not being measured. God isn't, God, see, it would be like this. It'd be like, uh, this is how we kind of think functionally. We think, okay, I prayed a prayer. God gives me a little pink pill of salvation like the matrix or something, and he gives it to me, and then he stands back. This is how many of us are living our lives. He stands back and waits to see if it worked. Like, I wonder if you'll produce anything. We'll just wait and see. What a terrible thing. God doesn't do that. He grabs hold of you and drags you to heaven. He opens your eyes to the wonder that he adores you as you are, and you go, wow, he does really? And your heart starts to accept, oh my goodness, he loves me, and that's freeing from the pathways of you having to earn it, which you go back to, or getting the power to earn it, or somehow that God's gonna help you earn it. No, he's not. He gives it to you. It's a free gift. It wasn't free to him. It's a free gift for you. doesn't mean you want to go back to the yoke of sin. I've never, ever wanted to be in the yoke of sin. You shouldn't either. Right? That's what love does. It receives God, loves you, it frees you from the mandates you couldn't do anyway, and you're free to be yourself. Be who you are and to trust the continuing to focus in and receive Christ, to remind yourself that Christ adores you and died for you and loves you as you are. It impacts you. How will it impact you? It'll start to impact your desires. Well, let's measure those. No, stop. You inveterate measurer. Don't do it. Right, desires. Christians act like they're empowered to love. They have all the joy that... that People act like they're, they're, I'm a Christian, I need to love. But you act like a prune. That's wrinkled. Is that the right, a raisin, is that better? I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it's like there's no joy in what you're gonna do. It's like, no, wait a second. Well, because I have to, you know. That's really the problem. God's not trying to get you to act a certain way, but to be a certain way. And he's in charge of making you that way. So this example for me, I'll give you one more example. I, I, I love mushy fruit. Not. I hate mushy fruit. I don't like it. I'm sorry. Anyone that serves me mushy fruit, you probably have, and you're probably like horrified because I like tried to smile while I ate it. But if I was told, God wants you to love mushy fruit, okay, I'll paste on the smile, 
I'll take the mushed apricots. I'll put it in my mouth and move it around. When the host isn't looking, I'll give it to the dog. She's there. But no, I'll try and eat it. If it's really, no, you got to eat this. This is good for you, and not just good for you. This is the thing. And so you try and do it, and I try and make my heart there, but it's not there. So what do I do? If then I act, I act, I act. Of course I act. If I'm told, you got to do this. This is so important. It's so important to the person watching you. Okay, uh, yes, mm, that was delicious. Thank you. I hated every bite. You're supposed to love psychotic abusers who are not kind, not good to you or anyone else around you. And you're supposed to absolutely adore them. How you doing? You're not! But, 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 I am supposed to love people, enemies. I know that I am, my heart knows. Uh, but, but all of a sudden, I wait a second, I go, and it gets flipped a little because I start to tell the story. I am the psychotic terrible abuser. I am the person that doesn't deserve anything. I am that person. And I'm adored. And you soak in that. And you start to actually believe it. And you know that frees you to actually do some of the things that are the desires of your heart to love people. Because love is fun. You do know that, right? You do know that giving people something randomly just to bless them is fun. Helping someone else's dream comes true is fun. Being kind randomly to people is fun. It's not like, oh, raisin, I gotta squeeze you to see if there's any juice left in you so you can like produce some good juice for me. It's oh, oh my, I'm loved so much. You know what might be fun? Man. My coworker looks so tired. I'm gonna kick him out for the afternoon and do all their work for him. That'd be so fun. I'm just imagining the look on their face as I do that. That'd be cool. I don't know, that's dumb, right? But you can find a thousand things. For th and they're little things, they're not big things, but it actually comes from your heart to say, oh my goodness, I have a desire to actually do this. I wanna bless someone. To and if you don't have the desire, then faking it doesn't get you anywhere, right? So you might as well just do the things actually you are. And how do you actually, the transformation that starts to happen is you actually receive Jesus adores you right now. And the shame and the guilt and the, the ways that people have hurt you in the past and the abuse you've already been through and the ways that you've hurt other people and the wrongness that you've already done to others, all of that starts to fade because Jesus Christ has covered it all. And you're free. That's what I mean is meant by free to love. It's not free to do the duty to love or free not to sin anymore, free to know because you still will sin. That's the whole picture. That's the actual ground I'm standing on. I'm a sinner. If I say I'm not, I'm a liar. But I know that within that I'm covered and I'm clean because of Jesus. And I start to believe it and then I've been able to be me. It makes me smile. It frees my soul. I'm not under crushing guilt or despair. I start to have hope this gift of grace we've been given. This is what I urge you to this morning. And I'm, 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 I'm long, but I, this is the topical stuff, you know. We are all in Christ. At the end of the day, I believe, and I put it in your bulletin, I believe, uh, Isaiah 26, it says, 
You, O Lord, will obtain ordain peace for us, for indeed you have done for us all our works. Because this is what I believe it means for you and I to understand and sort of to have these desires of, I love Jesus, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm joyful, I'm grateful, I start to respond. I'm not making that up, and when I'm not, I'm not. I'm not always joyful and grateful, but there's flashes of it, there's truth of it, there's the reality of it. I remind you and me of it in communion we're about to do. And over and over we get to this place of saying, wow, this is amazing, and he loves me. And, 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 and then any work that happens out of me is his work. This is the fruit of the Spirit in me, that I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, and I'm thrilled. Would you jump into that? Would you be a people who say, man, we, we like to do this stuff. Not we have to, it's finished. But what a joy, because Jesus Christ has come, and it's transforming. Let's pray.